The following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Well, good evening, and to those who are joining us perhaps right now online, we're just encouraged by a good, uh, a good hour of prayer, and so that was very encouraging to my heart. I hope to yours as well. Let's uh, open our Bibles to Galatians, uh, where we've been studying uh, for a while now, and we've made ourselves, uh, taken ourselves all the way up to Galatians chapter 5, and uh, this evening we'll begin in verse 13, but uh, for the sake of the context, and for those who may be just joining us for the first time in this study, uh, we'll review at least uh, what we covered last time. And uh, look back at verse 7 through 12 as well. Uh, if you remember last time, we focused on the fact that uh, Paul was responding to an accusation that he also preached a gospel that included circumcision for salvation. And uh, looking at his argument there, as well as other passages that he would go on to write later on, uh, we understand that that is not true at all and that Paul's gospel was free of that kind of ideology or or theology, and that the Judaizers were accusing him of. But let me read uh, verse 7 through verse 12 of Galatians chapter 5. You can follow along with me there. It says, You ran well, Paul writes. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So Paul writes to the Galatians asking them this question, Verse 8, he says, This persuasion does not come from him who calls you, referring to God. Then verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear. Verse 10, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. So Paul uh, is referencing the fact that uh, this theology of the Judaizers has uh, intertwined itself in the Galatians church in the Galatian churches, but Paul's confidence in the Lord uh, that those are, who are truly His will persevere, will continue in the faith, will not be persuaded by this false uh, theology and gospel, uh, but rather will stand fast. And then, in fact, he he reminds them and uh, points the finger at the Judaizers who are spreading this gospel, saying and assuring the fact that they will stand before God and be judged for uh, their wrongdoing and for spreading a false gospel. Verse 11, Paul writes, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Well, Paul Paul comes back to... uh, with a. to refute this idea that he does by saying at the end of verse 11, then the offense of the cross has ceased. Well, the fact is the offense of the cross hadn't ceased. Paul was still facing persecution and therefore he points out, I cannot be preaching circumcision because otherwise uh, I would not be persecuted as I am. Verse 12, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. And so Paul uh, points out the fact that if they believe that circumcision does anything for their salvation, if it is meritorious, why not go all the way? If they're, if they think that it is such a favorable thing before God's eyes, then why not go to the full extent of 
of uh, castrating themselves to earn more merit and more favor in God's eyes. Of course, he still is assured that God is the one who will judge them. It's not that Paul is casting some kind of judgment upon them. Uh, he is assured the fact that God is the one who is the judge and will deal with this situation. So as we just noted there in verses 11 through 12 primarily, Paul has just responded to the fake message of the Judaizers that Paul was also preaching circumcision. Paul refutes this idea by appealing to the present persecution that he was suffering because of the message that he preaches, a message free of circumcision and obedience to the law. Paul's gospel message concluded that nothing could be added to Christ's atoning work on the cross to merit salvation. Christ's work is sufficient. It's enough. It's complete. Of course, this would be offensive to the Jews who believed that obedience to the law was necessary. And furthermore, it would be offensive to anyone who believed in a works-based salvation, who believed that uh, they could merit their own salvation by their works because the cross, the message of the cross says otherwise, that Christ's work is sufficient. Well, undoubtedly, the Judaizers not only took offense at a message that stripped away the requirements of the law, like circumcision, the feasts, and the regulations, but also it led them to accuse Paul of preaching a message that permits Christians to live a self-indulgent lifestyle in a sinful lifestyle, a sinful activity. Paul writes a response that would not only address this accusation against Paul's message of freedom, but would also function as a warning to the Galatian believers to use their Christian freedom properly, to not abuse it, but to use it properly in accordance to what it was meant for. And we see this in verses 13 through 15, where we will be this evening. So let me read for you now those verses, starting in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Paul writes, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So as I just said, Paul is addressing not only this accusation that uh, that uh, strips away the requirements of the law for salvation, but also uh, is a warning to the Galatians to remind them that their Christian liberty is not a means or a way of, of reveling and indulging in sinful activity. That is not the purpose of Christian freedom at all. And that's our first point this evening, is that Christian freedom does not mean freedom to sin. You, If you were here a, a week and a half ago on a Sunday morning, you might remember pastor teaching in Sunday school on the, about the fact that uh, Christians are not free to sin. Uh, licentiousness is not for the believer. That's not uh, what our freedom is for, is to, to continue in sin. Romans chapter 6 speaks about this in, in depth, as well as other passages. And this is the very fact that Paul is addressing here to the believers in Galatia. At the beginning of verse 13, Paul writes, For you, brethren, and this indicates that Paul is specifically addressing the Galatians at this point. Those who had been called by God. 
You might think back again, we go back here often, but to Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writes, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, God is who called you in the grace of Christ. It is God who does the calling to bring one to salvation. Or we might look at chapter 5, verse 8, where we were just a moment ago reading, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. What does it mean to be called by God? Well, to be called by God means that you have received the message of the gospel through the preaching of the word and through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you, you have responded to the gospel in faith and belief. That is what it means to be called by God. And the resulting factor of being called by God is that you are now living in Christian freedom and liberty. He has called you to liberty. Remember what uh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says. Paul wrote to the Galatians saying this, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Christ has made you free for freedom's sake, we said before. For that very reason. The Christian freedom that Paul is referencing here in chapter 5, verse 1, is the freedom from the law as a means of justification. That's the kind of freedom that Paul is speaking of. It's a freedom from the law as a means of justification, freeing us from that idea or the mindset or, or the, the fact that our justification is by means of obedience to the law. As we've noted often, this is legalism. Believing that you can merit your own salvation by following a, a set standard or rule, or in this case, the law. The Christian is liberated from that form of thinking and understands that they are sons of God and not slaves to the law. Paul spoke about this earlier in Galatians chapter 4, about being a slave to the law and that in fact we have been adopted as sons of God and are we are liberated from uh, that enslavement and we are heirs in Christ. Now, Paul addresses the Galatians and this idea that uh, the Judaizers were bringing that or accusing Paul of that we can live in sin and, and revel in it. And that is not the case. Paul says, in verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, but, or only, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So just because the believer is freed, as Paul has written about, this does not mean that Christ, the Christian is free to live however they please. Christian freedom is not the license to self-indulge in sinful activity, as we already said. It is a means of living out the freedom that we have in Christ to love and to serve one another, as we will see in just a moment. And therefore, we see now that Paul is beginning to engage in the, in the subject of sanctification. How is the, how is the believer to behave as a son of God, how is he to behave uh, with the freedom that he has in Christ? How is he to use that freedom, we might say? Perhaps we could say the opposite of, or put it in the negative of what Paul's written here and say to use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh 
would be to use the freedom Christ has given you to excuse and justify your sinful behavior. So Paul has Paul commanded them, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So what does it mean to use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh? Well, it means to use that freedom to justify your sinful behavior and say, I can do whatever I want. I'm free. I'm not obligated to the law. I'm not obligated uh, to to a set standard or rule. I can do whatever I want. That's what my freedom means. Well, that's not the case, Paul is saying. That's not what Christian freedom means. It's not a license to sin and, and to justify your sinful behavior. That is wrong. Christian freedom is not that opportunity to sin freely, but instead to freely do what God wants you to do for the first time. When you were not saved, before you were saved, you didn't have that, that ability to, to, to live according to Christ's and to God's desires. But in fact, when Christ made you free, you are now strengthened, you are now empowered by God's Holy Spirit and by that freedom to please God with your behavior and your, and your character. And that is what Christian freedom is. It's the ability uh, to, to follow after Christ and to do God's will. You are not able to please God before you are called, but the freedom God has given you allows you to do what is right now. It strengthens you to do that and to walk in that manner. Christian liberty is limited by the Christian's calling to be holy. We need to understand that, and that's what Paul is helping the Galatians understand. It's not just a license to do whatever we want. There are boundaries, if we could say so, we'll put it in that way, to our Christian freedom, and that is, and that one of those limitations is by the calling for the the calling of the Christian to be holy. You cannot be holy and also be living in a sinful lifestyle. Look with me at First Peter one sixteen for a moment. First Peter chapter one verse sixteen. Let me begin back in verse 13. He writes, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So the calling of the believers is one of holiness, not of licentiousness, to live at will uh, according to the, the flesh that still, uh, still has some grasp on you, is still able to pull you into sin. Paul reminds the Galatians that that's not how we are to behave according to the flesh, to not use that liberty as an opportunity to to satisfy the flesh and its desires, but rather to satisfy the calling that the Christian has to be holy in their conduct. God's forgiveness is a guarantee for the believer, but it's not an excuse to keep on sinning. 1 John 1.9 and 
Continuing on in that passage, passage reminds us that forgiveness is there for us as a believer when we fall into sin. And that if we confess it, we will be forgiven. But it is not then a license or an excuse to keep on sinning. In Romans chapter 6, as we said a moment ago, addresses that whole fact that we don't just continue on sinning, that grace may abound. We are called to holiness. We are freed from the shackles of sin and free from enslavement to live righteously in Christ. So verse 13, we've seen that Christian freedom does not mean freedom to sin. Rather, if we look at the end of verse 13, we learn that Christian freedom is a means for Christian love. Look with me at the end of verse 13. Paul's written to them saying, Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but instead, we could say, through love, serve one another. That is what Christian liberty is meant for. That is what it gives us opportunity to do. Not to fulfill the lust of the flesh, but rather, it gives us opportunity to love to serve one another through love. Our freedom is not a means to serve ourselves, but a means to serve others. This turns around completely the idea of legalism. Legalism is self-centered and focuses upon what we can do to earn favor in the eyes of God. In contrast, the freedom that we have in Christ propels us to to serve others in love, and that Christian service is centered around our love for God and our desire to please Him and not to serve our own agenda or to gain merit for salvation. Paul continues this idea of serving others in love, motivated by love, in verses verse 14. Paul writes, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul continues on, we see that very fact, he says, um, this idea of serving and loving, with the idea that Christian freedom gives us the opportunity to fulfill the law when we serve one another in love. Amazingly, when we use our Christian liberty to serve one another in love, we are fulfilling the law. Paul quotes Leviticus 19.8. There in verse 14, he writes, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus also quoted this passage in Matthew 19.19 and uh, Matthew 22, verse 39, as well as John 13, 34. This idea of you shall love your neighbor as yourself, the, the, the law of, uh, or the idea of loving your neighbor. And Paul writes, for all the laws fulfilled in one word. Actually, the phrase uh, in one word is, I would say, kind of a poor translation what is really being said is that uh, the law is fulfilled in this one statement or this one message, this one message that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
the Christian is capable of fulfilling the law because of the freedom they have obtained in Christ, but not because they fulfilled its impossible demands. It's not because they have observed the law to completion, to perfect satisfaction at all. It's because they have fulfilled it by loving and serving one another in love. Love, the motivation uh, to serve one another is love. Love for God first most. And therefore, it then is poured out and exemplified in our love and service to others. Paul is clear with the Judaizers that it is impossible to fulfill the demands of the law. That's clear. And that it, is, and that it only served to point out the magnitude of their sinfulness. We looked again back at that at Galatians chapter 4. It didn't serve as a means of justification and salvation, the law, that is. It only served to point out the magnitude of their sinful depravity and their need for a coming Messiah who would deliver them. The Judaizers were engulfed with the mindset that the law was a means to earn themselves favor before God, when in reality, love was the means of fulfilling the law while pleasing God in doing it. The Judaizers were accusing Paul of breeding a mindset that Christian freedom means freedom from any sort of moral law or standard. When in reality, Christian freedom gives the believer the opportunity to fulfill the law through serving others in love. We please God most not by fulfilling a a regimen of laws or demands as the Judaizers thought they could, but when we love God and love others by serving them and ultimately glorifying God. Turn with me just for a moment to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let me begin verse back in verse, oh, verse 1. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And uh, in relationship to what we just were speaking about, uh, Paul's, Paul's encouragement or exhortation to the Galatians is not to use the liberty to fulfill one's own desires, but motivated motivated by a love for God to serve one another, to put their attention upon others. And, and, in, and in doing so, by loving them and serving them, they are fulfilling the law. The opposite is true if you do not follow this idea of loving and serving others. In verse 15, Here we see the absence of love leads to destruction. 
verse 15, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, going back there. But if you bite and, bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Paul warns them that refusing to serve one another in love lends itself to destruction and division. The opposite of serving one another in love is what Paul warns about here in verse 15. The absence of love means an absence of serving one another, an absence of unity in Christ, an absence of humility and glorifying Christ and pleasing God. In contrast, it it leads to destruction of one another, the destruction of the unity that we have in Christ with our words and actions. And this often happens when we begin to indulge in sin instead of living to please God with our freedom. When we begin to use our freedom as a license to sin and indulge in that sinful activity, that brings division and destruction, consequences not only for our own lives, but also for the body of Christ. And so Paul warns uh, us about this in verse 15, that if we bite and devour one another, we will be consumed or literally destroyed by one another. Instead, as Paul has exhorted us and the Galatians to do, through love, serve one another. In verse 13, I think we get the gist of the idea of what Paul is getting at as he's walked us or written to the Galatians beginning in verse 7 all the way through verse 15. And that is the fact that uh, the demands of the law cannot be met. They are not a means of justification. Circumcision, the regulations, the feasts, the festivals, observance of the Sabbath will not merit you salvation. They will not merit you favor with God and they will not uh, provide the salvation that comes only through the atoning work of Christ on the cross. Instead, as a believer, as one given the freedom that we have in Christ, we ought to walk in obedience to him. Walk in love, fulfilling the law by serving one another in love, being sanctified by his spirit. Having begun in the spirit, we continue in the spirit, as Paul talked about earlier on in Galatians. And in doing so, uh, we obey God's word. We fulfill the law of Christ, as Paul will speak about later on in chapter 6. And we will glorify our Father in heaven out of a love for him and a love uh, for others. Let's close in a word of prayer this evening. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, as we read your word, as we think about uh, and consider the truth therein, we pray that we would uh, understand that uh, salvation is by grace uh, through faith alone, Lord, it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And uh, we cannot boast, as Paul so uh, adequately put it at the end of this letter to the Galatians, he does not boast in himself, he can only boast in Christ and what he has done for us.
Lord, on that basis, we pray that we would uh, understand that our freedom is not meant to serve our flesh, to serve our own, the, the, the former ways uh, that we lived in, Lord, the former behavior that we had, the former desires that our fleshly nature uh, tempted us with and, and enslaved us to, Lord, really. But rather, uh, we are to use our freedom to love others, to serve one another in love, uh, out of a love for God and faith and trust in him. Lord, help us to do that, Lord, to live righteously and holy and acceptable and pleasing to you in all manner and all doing. We ask for that strength. In your name we pray. Amen.